Let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for hope. I'm so grateful that walls do become doors and that the people of God gathered together here are indeed the people of God. And that when we're together in the presence of the people of God enjoying godly company, people who want to sing songs to you and lift hands to you and pray, that when we're in this kind of a place where you are the center, you are our hope, something can shift. And wherever there are walls right now, you can turn them into doors. You can turn them into bridges. You can do more than we can ask for, imagine, or think. And so, God, will you help us today be open to the hope that is Jesus? Will you help us today notice where we're resisting letting hope come alive And we will be with you as honest as we are able today. As honestly as we are able, we want to be with you. And so thank you for receiving us in our very um, mixed bag of inherent glory and acquired grime. That you are with us in the way that you created us, when you fashioned us, when you said we were fearfully and wonderfully made. And you've also been with us with the grime we've picked up along the way, never leaving us, never forsaking us. And so I pray that all of us would be aware of the severe mercy of God today, that it costs you a lot to give us this mercy. And so I pray that we are open and receptive to what you want to say on this day. And it's in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So I'm glad to be with you. I, um, I appreciate the presence of godly company. I love being in the presence of people that want to sing the songs that open us up to God's grace. And so I don't know if you realize what a blessing that is, but, you know, when you have missed, you know, I missed church last week, so I missed that. And um, so I'm glad to be back. I hope you're glad to be back. So if you're glad to be back, say amen. Amen. And if you're not glad to be back, then just say, help me, Jesus, right? Because yeah, um, God will help us. The scripture that we've been gathering around these months, uh, this last month, is from Isaiah 43, 19. If we could read it together. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. How are we doing? All right. Thank God. All right. This is kind of cutting in and out, too. Do you want me to use a handheld, Matthew? keep yours just in case you need to come up and join me. So let's read it together. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? 
I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. You know, it might take us four more weeks before we really um, get this scripture down on the inside of us that actually the places of wilderness are for us to see the grace of God that we could not see anywhere but in a wilderness, right? I love that Scott told you last week that you are cut in all the right places. I, I, I started singing all week long to him, you got all the right grooves in all the right places, Oh, yeah. You guys know that song? All right. And, and so the beauty of what Scott shared last week was about your life has had cuts and grooves, very particular situations that have happened to you because you are an answer for someone. And when we can see our lives, our deserts, our wildernesses as a part of the answer for the world that Jesus loves and died for, we might see our lives in a brand new way and begin to say, we know. If you want to know it, if you want to say it, say it with me. We know that all things work together for good for those that love God and who are called according to his purpose. And there's this wonderful scripture in Hebrews 6, 19. It says, if you want to read it with me, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, you'd have to read the whole uh, sixth chapter of Hebrews to get how powerful the scripture is. But in a little snapshot, I want to say that you were made for storms, and Jesus was made to be your anchor. You were made for storms, and Jesus was made to be your anchor. The Bible tells us basically that when we could not be in relationship with God face to face, Jesus became the person who took us behind the veil to be able to connect with God because none of us are good enough. None of us are righteous enough. None of us, no, not one. But Jesus made a way and Jesus is your anchor. Jesus is your anchor in the midst of every single storm of life and storms will come. And so thanks be to God. You want to say that? Thanks be to God. And then Jeff, he's going to help me read. He's going to lead the right hand and I'm going to lead the left. And so Jeff, if you will lead your right hand friends. God blesses those who refuse evil advice and won't follow sinners or join in sneering at God. Now there's a statement. Join in sneering at God. Mm. Don't join in, right? Don't All right, left, in. ready? Instead, the law of the Lord makes them happy and they think about it day and night. They are like trees growing beside a stream, trees that produce fruit in season and always have leaves. I'm the person. <laughs> Surely the righteous will never be shaken. Amen. They will be remembered forever. Let's pause for a minute. How many of you have had some shaky moments in your life? <laughs> shaky moments do not equal shaken. Shaken is a decision. Hmm. So we are all going to have shaky moments, my friends, every one of us. And regularly, if you're an enemy of the evil one, you're not loved by evil. 
And so shaky comes. I don't know if you guys know that. Do you know that? Mm -hmm. If you don't know it, you need to really get to know this reality. Because people will say, why is God doing this to me? And why is this happening to me? And I want to say, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. But you do not have to be shaken. You can be firm. You can be anchored because your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So there is a shaking that will happen because you are a Christ follower. And, and people who are not following Christ have a whole different kind of shaking that is to lead them to Christ. Your shaking is to keep you clinging to Christ. Because we are never done needing God. I, I hope we're taking these words in deep. This is from our wonderful psalmist. They will have no fear of bad news. All right, stop right there. You know... <laughs> Half of us are afraid of bad news. I mean, we listen to bad news and it is, you know, we got the shaky, breaky heart going on. We, we got it. We, we are freaking out, right? But when we are held with the truth of eternity, there's something that anchors us. And we say, oh, there it is. There it is. There's that shaky thing. But, but there is something more true than bad news. And his name is Jesus, and he is the good news. So let's say that one again, Jeff, because it's so important. They will have no fear. Everybody say no fear. Of bad news. Yep. Their hearts Hearts. are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. And in the end, they will look in triumph over their foes. Now, go ahead and give a clap offering to God on that one. (laughs) Whatever foes, whatever has tried to shake you, you are going to rest secure. You don't have to have fear because in the end, Mm -hmm. you will look in triumph on your foes. Oh, this is me again. (laughs) Everyone, I bless the Lord who gives gives me me counsel. counsel. In In the the night night, also, also my my heart heart instructs me. me. Hold on one minute. A lot of us, when we go to bed at night, there's a whole lot of other things talking to us. There's monsters in our head. There's memories in our head. There's anxiety. You know, the the fact that we have to have sleep clinics now to understand why we can't sleep at night gives us an understanding that we are not always letting our heart instruct us after we've been given counsel from the Lord. So here's what I want to ask you. How's your sleep these days? How are you sleeping? No condemnation. Just notice without judgment. And say, okay, God, what are we going to do about that? Because here's what my sleep looks like. And so how can I allow you to give me counsel so that in the night my heart will instruct me so that I'm able to go to sleep and not stay up with a worst-case scenario? Mm -hmm. Right? There is this gift of the counsel of God. Do, you, do we all know that? Do we all remember it? That there is counsel that comes from God that can keep us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on him because we trust him. And a real prayer is, God, I trust you, but I want to trust you more. Because I'm, I'm not trusting you all the way, if I'm honest about it. Not one of us are completely surrendered to the trust of God yet. 
we're practicing trusting God. We're practicing getting counsel from God's word. We're practicing then a heart that is so full of peace that that heart puts us to sleep at night. St. Clair, go to sleep for heaven's sake. God's got the universe. God's got this. God's got you, right? This is, this is how our heart can instruct us. But it can't, our heart can't instruct us correctly unless we've been counseled by God first. Otherwise, your heart will deceive you. Because the Bible also says that our heart can be dis- desperately wicked, which means twisted. And our heart can tell us all these worst-case scenarios, and it can get us dreading and foreboding and anxious and angry and unforgiving. But if the counsel of the Lord is in place first, our heart will start to say, Hey, Claire, remember? Go to sleep. God's got this. Everybody say, God's got this if you want to. All right. I like saying that all the time. Oh, this is a great scripture. Ready? I will bless bless the eternal whose wise teaching orchestrates my days and centers my mind at night. Thanks be to God. I'm looking for a centered heart. Thanks, Jeff. So let's ask, how is my heart instructing me at night? Just, just ask that question. How is your heart instructing you at night these days? And just talk to God about that. Just say, God, here's what's happening. I mean, you already know it, but now I'm paying attention to it. And when the lights go down, when you turn off the lights every night at sundown, you want me to pay attention to how I've been instructed. And so when we notice that, we just want to say, God, you've got this. Teach me how to trust you. So I'm always fascinated by people who we love to quote, you know, that are always full of hope. And that we sometimes don't remember that the reason we quote them is because they live through the darkness of night. Most people that we have great respect for are people who've lived through dark nights who've lived through difficulty, that made it out, right? That they've actually made it out. And one of those people is Dr. King. And this particular little booklet, um, my dad gave this to me. It's one of the original copies that came right after Dr. King wrote it from the Birmingham City Jail. And he had this way about him, Dr. King. I don't know if you ever noticed But here's how he ends his letter. He says, I hope this letter finds you strong in the faith. Now stop. He's writing to a bunch of clergy that are not in jail. And he's telling them, I hope this letter finds you strong in the faith. Do you love that? It's like, here he is in jail. And he's not saying, my faith is shaken. He's telling the people outside the jail, I hope this letter finds you strong in the faith. And I also hope that circumstances will soon make it possible for me to meet each of you, not as an integrationist or a civil rights leader, but as a fellow clergyman and a Christian brother. I love this. He's saying, I want to be with you, even if you don't agree with me. Because by the way, he was writing this to the group of people who wanted him to be quiet and not be so strong on things. These clergy that were saying, calm it all down, Martin, calm it all down. It's just a little bit too much, right? And he's saying he doesn't end it with vitriol. He doesn't end it with anger and slander and judgment. He's saying, I want to be with you. 
oh, could we take a lesson right now on Facebook? Like, what if we said, I have a disagreement and I long to be with you as a person. I want to sit at a table with you as a person. He says, let us all hope that the dark clouds of this racial prejudice will soon pass away and the deep fog of understanding will be lifted from our fear-drenched communities. Wow, there's a poignant statement. Have you seen some fear drenching? Have you seen that? He's praying that we would let hope and the dark clouds of this prejudice pass away. The deep fog of misunderstanding be lifted from our fear-drenched communities. And in some not-too-distant tomorrow, could you say it with me? The radiant stars of love and brotherhood will shine over our great nation with all their scintillating beauty. Yours for the cause Yours for the cause of peace and brotherhood, Martin Luther King Jr. And I want to say to you that when I think about people who can write letters like that in jail, I see hope. If you can believe that stars are going to shine someday when you're in jail, you have hope. You are anchored in hope. When there is nothing but bars, when even your own brothers are saying things about you that you're doing the wrong thing, and you can say, I hope that, th that, that this not-too-distant tomorrow, the radiant stars of love and brotherhood will shine over our great nation with scintillating beauty. How does he even find words like that in a jail cell being condemned? Well, I want to say we got to find something new. We've got to find a new way. Kind of like Shad, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were in Daniel 3, and they were going to be thrown in a fiery furnace, and they were told by this king that they had to bow to these idols. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say it like this. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I mean, you talk about, listen to the dignity you know, it, it's, it, there's no shaming, there's no, there's no cussing at him. It's all about, I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I'm not trying to fit in with you. I already belong. See, here's the problem. When we try to fit in, we forget that we already belong. And so there's this reality of when people, they're like, I don't know where I fit. Well, you already fit. You belong. At, at the cosmic level, you were in the heart of God before you ever got here. And when people walk around with that kind of knowledge, they say, I'll go in the furnace because I'm not here for you, your majesty. They even say your majesty. That was classic. So, you know, some of you are having a hard time with uh, Mr. President. Still call him Mr. President and say, Mr. President, if you have an issue with Mr. President, write him a letter, Mr. President. Here is where I need you to know I stand, right? I mean, if Dr. King can do it to his fellow clergy who are not standing by him, who are not walking with him, if Shad, me, and Abed can do this 
to Nebuchadnezzar and call him your majesty, right? I mean, this is fantastic. I mean, look at Esther. She's warrior woman. She says, in the midst of this time where they're going to kill all the Jews, she decides, she says, go gather, go ahead, go gather all the Jews, we who are in Susa, and fast for me. Not go, you know, you know, do this, that, and the other thing. Fast. When was the last time we fasted? Something, anything, a lot of things. Like, got rid of some of the things that are creating all this dis-ease in our soul. Fasting that so that we could say, I will go to the king, and even though it is against the law, if I perish, I perish. I mean, Esther saved an entire nation because she said, I got all the right cuts in all the right places. I am made for this moment. What are you made for? I know you're made for, I know you're made for God's good in the world. This is God's idea. You know, someone like Helen Keller, when she says, optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. Okay, Helen, born blind, deaf, dumb. Is she really talking to us like this? I want to say she's got all the right cuts in all the right places. She's got, she is a key. She is a key for hope for people. Thanks be to God for people who can give us that kind of vision. Here's my dad. He was my first teacher and still teaches me all the way from heaven. Here's his really famous quote. It'll all work out. Now, that irritated most of us most of the time because usually we were telling him about some terrible thing that was happening, and he would say, it'll all work out. And we'd say, but, Dad, you don't realize. You don't realize how bad it is. And he would say, it'll all work out. I think losing his mother at 17 began to, get, began to give him all the right cuts in all the right places. And maybe before that, living through World War II and maybe being on a ship, you know, during World War II. Uh, I, I don't know, but, but, but he would just say, it'll all work out. And then here's another thing. Sometimes they would follow each other, but sometimes it would stand alone. Every generation has what it needs to deal with its demons. Every generation, every generation. So here you are. I love this wonderful picture that Pastor Carlo sent from Haiti the week that we were going to hear really hard words from many people. And here they are. Pastor Carla didn't know that that was going to happen, but he, I don't know, does anybody know who those t-shirts, uh, what organization those t-shirts belong to? Brian Project, the Peace Camp, you know, Sarah's right grooves in the right places, the pain she's lived through to start a nonprofit to teach kids nonviolent communication. So they're all in the, they're all in these, these shirts on that week that we could have just gone to blows with people. Couldn't we have? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe nobody listens to the news, and that might be good for us. But, but you know what prophetic preaching is? It means that we talk about what's happening. So here's what happened this week in Haiti. They didn't even know it, but they were wearing the peace shirts. Could you all just say peace? And by the way, it didn't come from the hippies who were high. Right. This was actually, yeah, there's, uh, we're not getting into that today, but just know that there are, you can, you can look at the peace sign and find ungodly uh, roots and you can find godly roots. So just choose. I choose the godly roots. So, you know, here they are saying peace, 
peace, peace. You have been a part of that, bringing them peace. When Kathleen began to dream about sending school box uh, things to the kids every year, that was God saying, let's bring peace. Let's bring hope. Let's bring God's answer to the world, which is us, Crossroads Church. Just look at the people around you. They're the answer because Christ in them is the hope of glory. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. The Bible says you are, Christ in you is the hope of glory. So could you tell somebody they're the hope today? Christ in them is the hope. There is hope. There is absolute hope. Because when you look at things that we're facing right now, like 40 million people who are still trapped in slavery, according to IJM, other people have other numbers, but I'm just saying, let's look at it. People are saying anywhere from 40 to 120 million people are still in slavery. You know, I I think we are the hope. Even this Thursday, we're going to be the hope. In this room, there will be people from law enforcement, There will be people from helping professions that are going to get trained in bringing hope, identifying, moving from awareness, because we all know they're slaves, but we're going to be moving from awareness to action. Why? Because this is part of the grooves that God has cut into crossroads. It's actually the reason some people have left our church, and that's okay, because they need to go where grooves fit. That's really, it's okay. One of the things that Scott and I learned early on in ministry, not to say it's not painful, but that pastor, all you are is a bus driver. You drive the bus, people get on, they get off. You just drive the bus. They're going to pick their stops. You get over yourself. And don't think it's about you. If you're following, if you're saying to God, we want to do what you want us to do, then people are going to get on and get off. But part of what God has asked us to do as an answer is to end human slavery at the crossroads of I-69 and 94 and in the state of Michigan. And I, I want to say, um, wow, God, uh, you know, there's some story here that has cut us in these places. But the fact that you're a part of this answer, the hope, I, I wonder, I wonder, if you could help us, if you could, you could advertise this on your Facebook page or your Twitter account or print down the PDF and put it up at your work and let people know, listen, you can't believe it. it you, you can learn how to set people free. You don't have to be the answer. You can be a part of the answer. Like Ron, I'm sorry for pointing you out, but Ron's IT skills are freeing slaves because he just put together an app for us that's going to help equip all of the people that are here. IT freeing slaves, right? I mean, this is fantastic. Matt Blossom with his fair trade roast, he's going to be making coffee and, uh, you know, helping people move to action, like find out if the coffee you drink is, is uh, if there are slaves in the supply chain. Find out. You can find out. I'm sitting across from Abby Thurman. Abby Thurman, 19 years old. She works up in the office and she says to me, um, do you know there's a great app called Bicot? that you can actually scan all the barcodes and find out if there's, you know, if, if there's slaves that were involved in the making of that good so you can make another choice, right? Is that cool or what? Bicot, it's an app. Then I find out when I bring that to the meeting that night that someone else says, oh, there's one called Done Good. And you can actually have it running behind your screen so if you're ordering on Amazon, it'll not only tell you that these things were made by slaves, but it will give you a something else to buy in its place. 
so that you're not just saying, oh, well, now what am I going to do? And by the way, while we were doing this, having this meeting, we were all drinking water that was from the, Le- the Nestle company who uses slaves in their supply chain. So don't get under condemnation. Just get to know what's happening. So we all looked at our water bottle, and we said, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. So that's a lot. You have all the right cuts in all the right places. The darkness you've been in is a part of you bringing light. The reality of you being in godly company actually helps you to be God's person in the world. Somebody would say, well, I don't know what to do in the world for God. So what what do I do for God? What do I do for God? Well, one of the reasons that we have retreats is because we want people to be in God for the world. Not in the world for God, but in God for the world. Because there's a lot of people that are doing good things, but there's no connection with God, which is why when you hear their voices, they're not always seasoned with grace and light and hope. There's just a lot of, right, trying to cast out the devil with the devil. doesn't work. And so there's this reality that if you actually start to take time for your own soul's sake, and I'm just going to say as your pastor, you will, if you haven't already hit the wall, you will to discover that you can't keep doing, doing, doing without being in God before you do. You'll get burnout. You'll get, you'll, you'll, you'll say, I don't even know. I don't even, we want to give you space to be in God, to notice that Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you're trying to be the hope of glory without Christ in you, the hope of glory, it'll only last so long. So I want to stand together and I want to tell you how grateful I am that um, through my own dark moments, I keep finding that I need to be in God for the world, not in the world for God. You know, a lot of people um, think that pastors work for Jesus. And so here's the reality. We want to be in God for the world, not working for Jesus, because then I can just decide when I want to quit. But when I'm in God for the world, there is something different that happens. So um, there's this little note that was sent to me today. Or maybe it was yesterday. Beautiful note written by somebody who's going through the worst moment of her life. It's dark and foggy outside. My life feels the same, like a dark cloud has settled. Someone says, I must have missed God. But I know better. God is right here. God has always been right here. We human beings are so short-sighted, we think pain means an absent God. On the contrary. Pain offers an opportunity to find God, to experience a peace that passes human comprehension, to know a love beyond the capacities that human beings have to give, 
to operate with wisdom and clarity beyond our ordinary limitations. The darkness is necessary, transformative, and powerful. Yet we run, we hide, we find ourselves lighting everything we can find to avoid what we will ultimately have to face. And T.S. Eliot says, Be still, my soul, and let the dark come, which will be the darkness of God, which will be like the darkness in the changing of scenes in a play. So let the change begin that I might move into this next part of my life. The next scene of my life with hope, with light. When I struggle, when I question the restless times, but there are times and when I struggle and when I question the restless times they're honest times they take me to a high place a place that's filled with truth they take me to a higher place, a place that's filled with you. That's when I see you, that's when I find you, that's when I can hear the words you say. That's when, that's when I see you, that's when I hear you, then and only then you find the way. You promise me I'd hear your voice and not hearken to the voice of a stranger you promise me when you're my choice keep my life through danger that's when i see you that's when i find you that's when i can hear the words you say that's when i see you that's when i bless my friends in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I pray that this be a week of hope, finding our way, that in the night when we put our head on the pillow, that you would instruct us, that our heart would instruct us rightly, that my friends would find out what they're cut for, what they're made for, that they would see their lives as being an answer, that you would bless them, God, with knowing their inherent glory that you have made them fearfully and wonderfully made and that they would sense that they are hope because Christ in them is the hope of glory that in prisons 
and dark nights and shaky seas and storms. They would be anchored and held by you. And so let this week be a week of hope, a week of seeing you in the light, that everywhere they look, they find hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Go bring the hope. Time. Time. Time.